This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. On August 29th, 1997, a small company was founded that would ultimately change the landscape of entertainment forever. This was around the same time that this week's guest had his first fantasy football draft, selecting the number one scorer that season, and ultimately leading to a career in a technology that falls in the same lane of entertainment game changers as that small company founded back in mid-1997. What was this company that changed the world forever, you ask? Well, you probably have your own account. This company is named Netflix. Welcome to Fantasy Football Origin Stories, where each episode is a journey back in time to explore the unique experiences of some of the coolest and most influential people in the fantasy football industry. I'm your host, Arnie Chapman, also known as the Football History Dude. Now, I love fantasy football, and I want you to come along with me to explore the yesteryear of the armchair gridiron. So hop on board my DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. This time as we step up the DeLorean, the date is September 14th, 1997, and we're at Soldier Field in Chicago, Illinois. We're here just before kickoff between the Chicago Bears and the Detroit Lions for week three of the 1997 season. We're walking around and strolling through the parking lot, checking out all the different tailgates we have, and all of a sudden, we get a da bearsh coming in from our ears over in left field. We're like, what's that? Is that the Chicago Superfans? It sure is. And they came all the way over here because they wanted to harass me about my top pick in the recent fantasy football draft, Mr. Barry Sanders, my all-time favorite player, might I add. Because through the first two games of this season, the 1997 season that is, Barry had only 53 total rushing yards. Yes, that's less than 27 per game. Far from a great year for a running back. Now I do have to note this because in week two, he did have eight receptions for 102 and a tutty, which means he did have a good game. However, for a possible run at the rushing champ title, nope, that wasn't going to happen, right? Well, until kickoff of this Bears game in 1997, because that's when Barry would rally off 161 rushing yards. Then he would proceed to have 13 more straight games of 100 yards or more to end the year with a whopping 2,053 yards. Yes, hitting that coveted double millennia mark of 2,000 yards in just 14 games. En route to the top fantasy football player in 1997. A year that we'll find out is very monumental to this week's guest, Dave Richard of CBS Sports Fantasy Football Today. Of course, among other things, but we'll get into that in the interview. But back to that 1997 season. It was great. 2,053 yards. Breaking the barrier. But it's kind of a bittersweet moment for yours truly because just... A few days before Barry ended up breaking this, one of my all-time favorite actors passed away. And he was one of these Chicago superfans. You see, Chris Farley died on December 18th, 1997, in this very city that sparked Barry's 2,000-yard season. I mean, I still remember it today. Sitting in the 7th grade lunch line, 
someone telling me, hey, did you hear Chris Farley passed away? And it just like shocked me to the core because at the time, this is like my favorite actors from a comedy perspective. It's just kind of funny how we remember these certain moments that had impact on our lives, whether it be positive or negative. And we're going to get into some of those moments in this interview with this week's guest. But first, if you haven't done so already, make sure you mash that little subscribe or follow button on your podcast player choice. That way you get the hottest, freshest out the press episodes well each and every week. Also, while you're at it, I'd appreciate if you leave a honest rating and review. That way I know how I'm doing and I know where I can improve. But before we get into the interview, here's a quick bio from the CBS Sports website. Dave Richard has spent nearly his entire career covering the National Football League, beginning with NFL.com at the boom of the internet. Richard was that site's first fantasy football writer before transitioning to CBS Sports in 2006. Since then, He's crunched the numbers, studied the film, developed tiers and trade charts, previewed every NFL game, talked to the decision maker, spoken on the radio, appeared on live television, earned multiple honors, and watched a whole lot of football. And he's done this with one goal in mind, to help you win your fantasy football league. And with that intro, let's get into the fantasy football origin story of the one, the only, Dave Richard. Yep, yep. So I mean, let's let's just start right there. Let's rock and roll. And I mean, this is more from like your 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 youth or whatever you want to call it. Not necessarily as an analyst, but like, what's the first memory you have of fantasy football, whether playing it, hearing it, or whatever it might be? Uh, Arnie, I was in college at the University of Miami. I was a senior, and somebody. This is 1997. I'm I'm older than I look, I guess, at this point. And uh, I I was asked, do you want to join a fantasy football league? And, you know, when you're a college kid, you're gambling. And so anything that you have the chance to make some money on sounds good. And I loved football. Um, being at the University of Miami really brought that out in me. And so I joined a fantasy league, not knowing anything about it. And this is, this is five years before the internet really kicked into high gear for fantasy. And it's, you know, 25 years ago from when we're talking right now. So I did it and I was terrible. I think I won like three games, but it was, it was fun to like have that opportunity to play against friends, to be the boss of the team and to have that. I I know this sounds dumb, but to have like this little connection with the national football league. And now like I had reasons to watch almost any game that was on TV. So you're watching games at a bar and then you're getting all the games in and it's the late games. Now I've got a reason to care about Cardinals versus 49ers on the West Coast, something like that. And so that's my earliest memory. I know that my first pick was Barry Sanders. So oh, I, I did man. well with my very first pick, but I think I took Troy Aikman in round two, and that was bad. There he is. Yeah. Barry the, Sanders. The listener of my other show knows that he's he's next to me all the time on my coffee mug sitting right here. <laughs> Perfect. I, I actually got to meet him at a Super Bowl not the game itself, but you know, the week leading up, the media is always around. And at the time I was really doing heavy research into when a running back breaks down. And I ran the, the analysis past him and he kind of nods and he goes, that actually makes a lot of sense. He's like, so, and he's like, you're telling me I retired a little too soon. I said, no, you, you actually retired at the perfect time. You might've been on a downslope after that. He goes, yeah, then it definitely makes sense at that point. That was really cool to, to have met Barry. Uh, one of a hundred stories that I've got from 
from a, a life of being in this fantasy football craziness that I've been in. Yeah, I, mean, I can imagine just like because you have different angles too so with some of the conversations, just like that with Barry and the an- analysis that you did for like breaking down from your world from a fantasy perspective. But then it, of course, obviously breaks into regular and everything. Uh, what about you said it was cool to be, I'm using air quotes, part of the NFL for a little bit when you were younger there. Uh, what what was your, I don't know, maybe before like the really big dawn of fantasy football got super popular with the explosion of the internet, what was your greatest claim to fame for like a victory or something like that you could remember? From fantasy football? Yeah, I'm talking like the older school or, fantasy before like every, you know, before the regular Joe Blow got into it in okay. like the mid 2000s sure. or whatever. So it it ties into my career. So we'll we'll skip ahead a few years into my career. And I got to a point where I was the first guy writing about fantasy football on NFL.com. And one of my very first articles was touting this young tight end with the San Diego Chargers who could end up being something pretty good down the line. And he's probably going to be inducted in the Hall of Fame next August. It's Antonio Gates, obviously. So that if there's a very first claim to fame, at least when it comes to both like fantasy and career, it's it's uncovering Antonio Gates and realizing that this guy could end up being really good and then being right about it. Yeah, I mean, I bet those feel great. What about like the what was the one that you really hung on to in your early career and you just had a hard time to you like, you know, you keep going back to that girlfriend, uh, uh, you know, that kind of thing. What was that one player? A player that I just kept going back to. Yeah, but for the wrong reasons, you know. It oh might yeah, be- the guy that let me down every time. <laughs> yeah. See, I don't know if I'm, I'm if I've got a player that I kept going back to, because usually when a guy shows me that he's a a wrong guy to tout, I realize that he's probably never going to be the right guy to tout again, and so I move on from that. So I, I'm I'm going to do something a little bit different. I'm not going to give you a name. Oh, you know what? I am going to give you a name. I just thought of him. Michael Turner. You remember Michael Turner? Oh, Michael yes. the Burner Turner? <laughs> yep. Who actually is, is is a pretty cool dude. Um, w- was Started with the Chargers. I liked him a lot then, but he never really got a huge opportunity there. Signed as a free agent with the Falcons. I probably cling to Michael Turner a year too long. And there there's definitely been a part of me that gravitates toward running backs that are bigger and stronger and can take on the physicality. And I need to work my way out of that. Not every great fantasy running back is going to be 220 pounds with tree trunk legs. You know, I like, I, I'm just thinking about how excited I was for AJ Dillon when he came out in the draft and then his rookie year and then his second year. And now I know I've seen enough of AJ Dillon and what to expect from him. Okay, when I go into draft analysis in August, Arnie, I'm not going to be so gung-ho on A.J. Dillon, but you'll probably hear me talk about him being a good second-half fantasy running back, which means you don't have to draft him. You can trade for him after the draft, a month or two after the draft, and you'll be just fine. So I would say that it's Michael Turner was that guy that I clung to probably a little too long, and that type of running back is, is is the type of back that I just cling to maybe even still just a little bit too long. And I need to break that habit. I find myself at the beginning of the year, not as much as I used to probably, but having such a, 
take on a player during the off season? Cause you spend so much time, you know, and that no football going on. That's all you do is you, you know, predict what's going to happen. And then I'm going to trade for this guy at the end of the year. Cause I know he's going to be. And then like, you know, it's like, I, I'm hung up on it or I keep this person. I'll keep him on my bench for six more weeks because I know at one of these weeks he's going to pop and everything. But that that's where mm-hmm. I, I had to learn to grow was the waiver wire more. Yes. That to me, that's, one of the most crew it's probably second on the list of uh, commandments that you need to have in fantasy football. Uh, first is just paying attention, which enough people just do not do. There's for some people, fantasy football is very serious. And for others, it's, you know, a fun, casual thing. And sometimes you're in a league where six of the people are crazy serious and six of the people are like, eh, let the, let the computer draft for me. Something <laughs> like that. So, and it's it's always a little bit harder to maneuver the way you want to in those leagues. And you think to yourself, man, I wish I could play in a league with 11 guys just like me who love to trade and make deals and play the waiver wire. And then you realize, well, shoot, those leagues could be a lot harder if you're <laughs> playing with 11 diehards like you. You kind of want to play with the patsies uh, more often than not, especially if the money's good in the league. So that's that, that's that's definitely that's definitely part of it for sure. Playing that waiver wire, being on top of it and being right about it is huge. Yeah. So before I get in your origin story, I wrote, I just typed something to remind myself. You said Michael the Turner Bur- or Michael the Burner Turner. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering how many, like from a psychological perspective, we allow nicknames to really hold on, or even especially when analysts give them like little nicknames with songs and we want to give them more weight to it. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're cool. It, it's it's cool to go and uh, I'm trying to think of an example. Uh, it it w- what's happening now isn't necessarily nicknames as much as it is knowing who you're talking about just by saying a player's name. Oh yeah, you know we're we're getting a lot of that, and we do that on our show all the time. It's 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 one thing to name to talk about Kadarius. Everybody knows who you're talking about when you talk about that name, Kadarius. Um, JJ. Who am I talking about when I say JJ? Actually, I, I'm not. I'm, you're you're stumping me right now, honestly. Justin Jefferson. Oh yeah, so I'm thinking of the Jets. Yeah, okay. Right. So right. So some people call them JJ Jettas, JJ, but we might be. See, Justin Fields' emergence and Justin Herbert. I, I don't know if we're calling Justin Herbert by his first name ever, but we could get to a point where we just say Justin. Everyone knows we're talking about the number one overall pick in 2023 draft. JT, Jonathan Taylor, Najee, you know, Cam. When I say Cam, who am I talking about? Yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody knows it's Cam Newton. And nope, like it's that. Cam Jurgens, backup offensive lineman <laughs> on the Philadelphia. Yeah, right. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> right. But like, I, I think that that's part of it too. And, and maybe there's something to it where the players that have slick nicknames or just you, you know them by one syllable are the ones that you want to gravitate toward. But usually those players are either A, good, or B, have the potential to be good. I mean, by last August, by the time we got to like the middle of draft season, everybody knew that one of the trendiest wide receivers to take was Gabe. Mm-hmm. Every, everyone was hyped up about Gabe Davis. and They were drafting Gabe somewhere between 40th and 50th overall. I had way too many best balls of him because of that. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, I was so excited about what his upside was and even talked to people. I did a lot of work on the Bills offense during the offseason um, because Isaiah McKenzie was someone who I was expecting a pretty big year from. 
Yeah, I had too many of him too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, he started the season not bad. He just didn't finish well. And Gabe Davis was kind of the same thing, but injuries might have played a role with why Davis didn't really have that big breakout year like we had hoped for. I mean, it's just like anything. Yeah, there's so many. It's it's that's why I like yep. this sport. I mean, I love all sports, but I cling on to football the most is because there's it's a it's the story that unfolds throughout the season, unlike any other sport. Plus, you know, I mean, you got 11 people on both sides that are going to dictate the outcome on the field, not alone all the people off the field that are going to dictate the outcome. So that's why fantasy football is so intriguing. And I mean, the nicknames I just think about. So for my history show, it's almost kind of cool because of really fantasy football, the nicknames have come back, but we're talking back in the day, like the galloping ghost and red Grange, Johnny <laughs> right. McNally. I mean, these guys back then, like that's how writers would write about them. It's almost kind of cool to see that coming exactly. back now. Well, but I don't know if there are a lot of players that have that type of, I, I don't know if players are a getting those types of nicknames like galloping ghost, Broadway, Joe, Joe cool. Um, because I don't know if people are paying as much attention to sports writers as much as they were before like 40, 50 years ago. So it, it really, it, it might come down to where does the nickname come from about whether or not it actually sticks. Yeah. I mean, I'll give you just me as an example. I, I, I love listening to all sports, but if you look at my, my podcast app right now, it's all, if it's football, it's fantasy football related. It's not, I'm not listening to the, whatever the NFL lives or today's or I see that on the gym when I watch the words go by every now and then, but that's sure. about it. Yeah. It's all fantasy based with the retrospect of looking at the season. Of course, you know, I'm a Lions fan, so I'm a Dan Campbell truth or you already saw my Detroit Lions there, but yeah. Well, <laughs> so, listen, I, I think it's coming around for you. Campbell's a cool guy. He is very he, awesome. Those players have absolutely built in, and that that team looks like it's ready to take a big jump. Yeah, I mean, speaking With Jared of Jared Goff, I might add. Hey, I I will take it. I mean, I I was thinking yes. stop gap. We'll just gonna kind of get us over the ledge. We'll let let them go off into the sunset. You know, maybe cap, cap casually in a couple of years. But now it's like. Man, can we just build the defense and like go ahead with golf? Because if we get home field through a couple of the, we have a defense. Or I mean, an offensive line that can carry you anywhere. But then if they can just start building up that defense and play some more bully ball, I mean, I'm looking forward Look to it. Look at you talking about home field advantage <laughs> with your Detroit Lions. When's the last time that happened? 1993, I think it was 19. No, 91, because that's when they, they ended up beating the Cowboys and then they lost to the Redskins. There's still a hole in the wall where my dad punched in that Redskins <laughs> game, that one. But at <laughs> any rate, no. <laughs> yeah, no. I, uh, we are uh, Kool Aid drinkers of the third kind when it comes to at this time of year as, fan, as, as Lions fans, for sure. That's fine. But I think for the first time in a long time, you've got good reason to do it. Yeah, I just no, love with, the talent, both sides mm-hmm. of the ball. Uh, I, th- I think Jacksonville took the wrong guy at the top of the draft last year. I said it back then. Uh, and, and Campbell finds he's he's found ways to kind of bring along this team on both sides of the ball, and he's empowered his coaches as well. And I think it's made his coaches better. And uh, I'm 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 excited about it, and can't wait to see where it goes next. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to tell me. That's a that's an understatement in these neck mm-hmm. of the woods. Uh, sure. Speaking of, okay, maybe we're looking at the future. Maybe we're looking at the past. I I do have to show you this right here. So it's it's got the uh, okay back to the number back to the future too because we got the wheels that are popping in and yep. out there. Very cool. But we're gonna let you take a ride in my DeLorean back in time 
now we're going to do the part of the story where we give your origin story. Let's take me back to before when you, right after you learned about fantasy football, kind of like your journey through an NFL analyst. Well, it's, it's setting up how I became an NFL analyst in the first place. This will be a little bit of a long story. I'll do my best to shorten it for you, Arnie. Um, played fantasy football from 97 all the way through 2000. Never won. Never did well. Got it. Got my foot in the door with CBS Sports producing pro wrestling content for them in early 2000. Moved to South Florida. Uh, and within a week of being with the company, I had found where my next fantasy football league would be. I'd be playing with people here at the office. And I told everybody at the office, whenever you need anybody for NFL stuff, you know, come look for me. I know I'm working on wrestling, but happy to help with football. Really love football. Keep in mind that the year 2000, I really, I thought I knew a lot about football, but I really didn't. Fast forward to 2001, CBS won the right to produce the NFL's website for them. Sounds a little strange because the NFL wasn't sure if this internet was going to be like a really big deal, but they won the right. And the very first person that they moved over to be a producer for them was me. So I was done with wrestling summer of 2001, uh, converted to the NFL. And for the next three and a half years, I got an education like you wouldn't believe in professional football, especially the front office stuff. I worked hand in hand with Gil Brandt for those years. We talked pretty much every day. Gil Brandt, the architect of some of those great Cowboys teams before Jerry Jones bought the team. Uh, he's now in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Pat Kerwin is someone who I worked very closely with. He was you know, in the Jets front office for years. He's got a satellite radio show that is, you must listen to it. He's great. He knows exactly what he's talking about. Those two are really the two that taught me so much about the game and what to look for and how to watch the game. And that's how I got my real education. Uh, in 2003, I mentioned this already, the NFL wanted to start to do a little bit of fantasy football content. They were seeing that fantasy football was becoming a thing. And I was already doing some writing and doing some Q&As for NFL.com. And so I gladly volunteered to start writing about fantasy football. And not only did I start with a column once a week, I did chats on Sunday mornings. And started helping people with fantasy. And in 2005, people at CBS said, why are we letting you do this for them? Would you come over and do this for us? After all, CBS is still paying me because they're paying for the right to produce the NFL's website. And uh, I, 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 of course, went over. And I've been doing fantasy football full time since 2005. Now, I mentioned that from 97 to 2000, I had never won a fantasy football league. After 2000, I thought to myself, all right, I'm going to just cannonball into the NFL information. I'm going to keep track of every transaction leading up to the 2001 season. I'm going to be as prepared as I could possibly be for the 2001 year. And I, I won two leagues in 2001. And so I just kind of kicked back in my chair when I was done. I said, all right, this is it. I know now that as long as I'm prepared, I'm on top of it, and I treat fantasy football like a year-round thing, I'm going to win my leagues. And that's what's worked out for me. And that's what I've told people on our podcast, anybody who would listen. I'm telling you right now on your podcast that if you pay attention to fantasy football year-round, you're going to be really prepared for your fantasy season coming ahead. And that's why we do a podcast year-round. 
There are some fantasy podcasts that do not do it year-round. I don't know why. This is a year-round thing. And if you want to win your fantasy league, you better pay attention. That's the number one commandment of fantasy football. I learned it myself, and I think that that's what everybody should do if you really care about fantasy football. That's the gist of the origin story for me. So you said 2005 you've been full-time. When did when did is that when this podcast started too you said? The the Fantasy Football Today podcast? Yeah. I th- I don't know exactly when it started. Um I'm going to ballpark it at 2007. I'm not sure when Adam Azer joined us, but there was at least one year huh, huh, the, the, the our first year of podcasting, Jamie Eisenberg came to CBS in 2006. He and I have been working together since 2006, a long time, 17 years. And we just, we, we wanted to try and do a podcast. We had a full on radio studio in our office way back in the day. We wanted to use it and they figured out a way to produce a podcast. But our producer at the time said, you can't go over 45 minutes. Yeah. I don't know what happened. It just, it will not upload if it's 45 minutes in one second. Can't do it. So we're, we're, we're running through every game before the action at, at just like breakneck pace, trying to get in all the information that we want to get in. And one of our, one of our coworkers who was like in charge at the time told us, you guys can keep doing this if you want, but podcasts really aren't going to go anywhere. <laughs> that person no longer works for our company, <laughs> but I'd say the podcast either started in 2007 or 2008. It was a two, Two people on the show it was just me and Jamie, and one producer was a three-person operation. And now, I mean, there there are so many people who have been on it and are on it now. And we've got dedicated producers and social content managers, and it's it's really incredible how this thing grew from such a small, tiny seed back in 07, 08, Especially when we were told that it wasn't going to go anywhere. I mean, it's pretty cool that you were able to. Be be at the forefront, we'll call it, of like a new medium, similar to how uh, the the newspaper guys said, "Yeah, that radio is not going to work," and then the radio guys, "Ah, TV is not going to work," and you know, so on and so forth. I <laughs> right? Mean, I don't even. I'm never going to probably pay for cable. I've never paid. I only. I'm a what you call cord cutter. I guess you could say uh, streaming. You're a cord and at some cutter. point, yeah, it'll be just beamed into my head. You know, I won't even That's do anything. Right. Who knows? That's why you watch CBS Sports HQ. Stream live 24-7 for free at CBSSportsHQ.com. I just had to say that. And CBSSportsHQ.com really wanted to say that again. Just make yeah, sure no. I mean, what was that there. again that you said? Uh, 24-7 free streaming sports news and smart analysis site and the home of fantasy football today. All available in one click. CBSSportsHQ.com. By the way, I should I should also mention that when, when the internet first became a thing, it's really fantasy football. Definitely like that really went crazy right around the year 2000. Uh, CBS bought a company that did fantasy football and we still have elements of that in our platform today. Um, but that's what really made fantasy football easier for people to manage because back in the late nineties, you had to get the newspaper, you had to find the box scores online, and then you had to tabulate the scores. Um, it was, it was a pain in the ass. And so I I've always been, in emerging media, as long as I've been like employed, um, I never worked for a newspaper for a career. I've never worked for a radio station, never did television station work. It's always been internet 
uh, and podcasts and then digital video, like what we do now on, you know, cbsportshq.com. Oh, it's um, one of those transition moments then. We're going to come back to that conversation ahead, but we might as well take the DeLorean future into the 20 years. Let's oh. go ahead and let you predict where fantasy football will go with CBH. I've seen it wrong. CBSSportsHQ.com. <laughs> uh, where will fantasy football be in 20 years? Well, first of all, I hope football is like still happening and still a thing in 20 years because we've we've seen the game. Think about what the NFL was like 20 years ago. Um, it was it was fun, but it wasn't fun like this. But the rules were very different. And I wonder what the rules will be like for the NFL 20 years from now. I'm certain the NFL will exist 20 years from now. I'm just nervous that it'll exist where quarterbacks aren't allowed to get touched. And there's going to be even more rules on, on what you're allowed to do as a defender. Um who knows? I'm not sure what the game will look like then. But as long as the NFL exists and as long as people want to play against their buddies to try and take their money, it's it's going to be a popular thing that people can do from their smartphones full time. You'll be able to do everything from uh, draft. You'll probably be able to like draft, like say who you want right in your phone and the pick will go in. You don't actually have to click something. Um and and maybe some rule changes will be there. I actually I actually made a video, Arnie, this uh, in the last couple of weeks about changes for fantasy football and what could make fantasy a lot more fun. That video you can find on YouTube. But I, I wonder like how many rules could change for fantasy. You know, twenty years ago, no one had PPR. It was it was it wasn't popular. Now it's it it's almost like you're an idiot if you don't use PPR in your fantasy football leagues. So that's that's definitely something that I'd be curious about. What would the rules look like? I bet there'd be more best ball elements to fantasy football 20 years from now where your a lineup mistake won't totally kill you. You know, starting a guy that gets hurt in the first quarter won't penalize you as bad, something like that. And um maybe more points for for first downs. More points if your if your player goes over his player prop, stuff like that. So yeah, I mean, you mentioned earlier about changing the the rules, but even just the access you kind of alluded to on the phone there. Um, mm-hmm. At one point in your career, it would have been you couldn't just sit there and see the live updates of all the stats all the time. Like about, do you recall when that kind of changed? Sure, uh, when CBS bought the the platform that CBS bought in. I don't think it was even 2000. I think it was earlier than that. It might have been like 99 or 98. Uh, it was called commissioner.com. Uh, and when CBS bought it, they also got rights to um, the NFL's official league scoring. And that's what populates any platform's um, delivery of stats. So when you're watching your games on your phone and you want to know, you know, how, how's DeAndre Swift doing on my fantasy team? And the stats come in real time. That's how that happens. That's been happening. The lightning fast scoring and CBS has done a great job of that too. And I'm not just saying that because I work here. I I've seen it with other sites. The scoring is really quick with us. Uh, That's been happening since 2002. So you, you can really that that's part of it. Part of the fun of fantasy is watching your team get points and score 
you know, get, work your way up to winning and then piling it on your opponent. Uh, you, you definitely like watching that. And that's, that's part of fantasy. And that's why, you know, one other thing that could happen in the future, my phone's right here, Arnie, like why this is going to matter more for fantasy football is that maybe we're already setting our lineups using our phones, but we could also maybe make changes in game using our phone. That's a change that I could see happening in fantasy football within honestly, like the next three years, not 20 years. Yeah, I could see. I mean, you earlier, um, golly, what was it that you, you mentioned something? I was like, yeah, that's like in the near distant future. I will have to go back and re- re- we'll, well, let's throw the the flag out there and try to replay that one. So I can't remember what you said, but yeah, I'm like, cause you mentioned 20 years. I'm like, yeah, dude, you're right. That could happen in a couple. Sure. I mean, you just brought up your phone. My dad always tells me is he's an old school start. Star Trek guy, Trekkie, and he says that if Captain James T. Kirk had this iPhone, he would have whooped the Klingons. He, you know, he wouldn't have had to deal with nobody. That's like his his number one claim to fame for all that, yeah. uh, you know. But uh, I mean, that he was speaking of the CBS platform. I mean, my longest running, you know, I'm I'm in the same year ever since she's a little. I can't remember, but they came on to CBS from back when it was still paper. I I, I just joined this league. It's his old his buddies and stuff like that. He drafted, I mean, even back in, I think it was 2008 or nine, in the parking lot of a wedding, uh, drafting a, a winning team, you know, drinking a few beers. It's just awesome. it's just crazy how technology can, you know, has transformed how we view the game. And then we can send screenshots to each other, you know, talking smack about, obviously, you know, you know, real yes. time. Uh, so you mentioned that CBS bought over the commissioner.com and this platform. So this information is fed, what, from like some authorized NFL headquarters into this platform and then it's populated? Effectively, that's what it is. Uh, I believe it's from the Elias Sports Bureau that sends over the data from NFL games. And the way that it works is in every NFL press box, there's a group of, uh, let's call it a dozen people that are watching different parts of every single play. They call out what happens on the play. They know who gets the ball, how long the play is, how many yards were before the catch, after the catch, um, you know, Target, obviously, is, is going to be involved. They put that information in real time into their computers. That's sent to a server somewhere and then dispersed from that server to any platform that pays for that information. So that that could be us. That could be ESPN, Yahoo, uh, Sleeper, all the places where people go to play fantasy football. Yeah, so then at least that way is consistent, whatever you're platform you're playing on. Do you ever find, I mean, of course, in your world, it's different. This is where fantasy football has ruined it for me. I cannot watch a game without staring at the ticker and automatically calculating how many fantasy points my guy has by what's at the bottom of the screen. Sure. There's, there's definitely part of that. Uh, I think having this job killed my fandom. Uh, I grew up in Chicago, so I was a bears fan. Conversations over and, and you know, no, 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 I'm not anymore. (laughs) You won't like this either though. When I found myself rooting for the Packers in Super Bowl 45, that's when I knew that I wouldn't be a, <laughs> Big time Bears fan again. And, um, you know, the other thing about working in sports is that you get to know these teams a little bit closer than maybe the average fan does, or you hear about it as much. And there's just some stuff that I like and, and some stuff that I don't when it comes to every franchise. And I always found myself being a little more, a little tougher on Bears players when I was a fan of the Bears. And I just, I just, I just, I stopped. You know, this the Bears franchise doesn't win anyway. 
So if they're not giving me joy, why do I care? Because maybe someday they will give me joy. <laughs> you know, I'm 46 years old, Arnie. This, this team's given me true joy once, maybe twice in my life. And uh, I just, I'm telling you, I was rooting for the Packers in Super Bowl 45. A true Bears fan would not do that. So I gave up my fandom. This will be interesting. I gave up my fandom in the Bears. You know, now we're talking about 12 plus years ago. So th- who do you root for then? You got to root for somebody. You got to root for something. Okay, so I'll root for you know, players on my fantasy team. And of course I'll do that. But then as I kept going on, I started realizing, well, it's great that I'm winning my fantasy leagues, but I told people to start, you know, Des Bryant and Des Bryant didn't have a good week. And you know, now I got 10 emails in my inbox from people calling me trash and saying that they could take my job. I started rooting for the players who I picked to do well each week. And that's about where I'm at now. So when I get into a heated debate on our podcast or on our show about a player, uh, I'm pulling for the player that I told people to start. And when they go off, I feel like a million bucks. And when they suck, I feel like I owe somebody a million bucks. And that's not a good feeling. And that's where my fandom is now, is I'm rooting for people on a week-to-week basis who I recommend to anybody who listens to me. I, I could relate from a different world, of course. I mean, not speaking out wordly publicly to people telling them who to start. But yeah, I find myself sometimes ruining when I'm when I'm watching my Lions, for instance, watching a player that I have on my team. It's like bittersweet, of course. Before it didn't matter because I never had any hope that the Lions were going to win. But now it's getting to the point <laughs> where it's it's Detroit Lions, fantasy football, then our blood family ties. And then after that, we can talk about other things. That's how we run and roll in our family. That works. It works for you, <laughs> then it works. Plain and simple. So what's your, I mean, you kind of alluded a little bit earlier uh, to maybe your fantasy superpower or your claim to fame about things, but that was kind of like a cop out, we'll say, because you said, you know, pay attention all year round. Yeah, yeah, everybody should pay attention. If you said, what is Dave Richard most known for in the fantasy industry, what would it be? Um, Referencing pizza on his shows. Uh, I... I try really hard to come up with a player every year that's under the radar that people can win with, you know, the, the next Antonio Gates. And sometimes we, sometimes I do a really good job and it's Darren Waller or Alfred Morris. And sometimes I really mess up like uh, Elijah Moore, or Tajay Sharp or Isaiah McKenzie this past year. But everybody kind of wants to know who that player is every year. And I take it real seriously. I study these players hard. I talk to pl- people on the team who I know. Uh, if I don't know anybody on the team, I go to their PR department and I basically beg for some sort of semblance of access. Uh, I've asked to go to training camps to try and just find information about players who I really like. And sometimes I've gone and, and I've gotten the answer I'm looking for. And sometimes I've gone and I don't get an answer at all. It's It, it really, it, it probably more so comes down to whether or not any of the players I like just get a consistent opportunity with their teams. And if they do, then that player is going to hit. And if they don't, then that player is going to miss. But that's something I'm known for. Um, I'm also known for taking running backs early in fantasy drafts. But I think that that's going to die. Just the way that the fantasy game is moving now uh, and just the way that running backs are shaping up, at least for 2023, 
I don't think you have to do that anymore if you want to win your league. I think you can skip out on running backs for the first couple of rounds. So I would say I'm known for that stuff. And I'm also known for inventing the trade chart. And I, in case you haven't seen it or don't know what that is, uh, I've been producing for 11 or so years now uh, just a list of players and numbers. And when you match up players with numbers, um, those numbers are a value based on how good or bad a player is. You'll have an idea if a trade offer that you get is fair or a trade offer that you want to make is fair or maybe even you know a little bit more in your favor. <laughs> uh, I, it's been copied. Some people have actually done a good job with it, maybe better than I've done with it. Uh, we've created a dynasty version of it that Heath Cummings does for CBS Sports. He's done a great job with it, but I'd like to think that that started with me. So I, I'd say that I'm known for for those things. Those are my superpowers. You're, okay, so you've got you've got multiple superpowers in your toolbox. Let's go back to that trade chart. So somebody that's on this site or on this, listening to this podcast right now wants to find the trade chart and they want to try to maybe use that. Where would they go? Well, I, I do mine only during the season. But if Heath coming, if you want to look at Heath's, which is loosely based on mine, he takes it a step further. Uh, you just go to any search engine that you want and type in Heath Cummings Dynasty Trade Chart and you'll get it and you'll be able to make some smart dynasty trades in your league. And then when it comes to your redraft leagues, starting in August, you'll do the exact same thing. You'll punch in Dave Richard Trade Chart and you'll you'll get a link right then and there. It's updated every Tuesday morning during the football season. Perfect. If someone's interested in just learning more about you and your work, or they just want to follow you, how would you suggest they do so? Don't come to my house. <laughs> that th- this has happened. Uh, that was weird. Um, again, one of about a hundred stories from a lifetime of doing this. I'm on Twitter a lot. Twitter.com/slash Dave Richard. I try and respond to people. My email address is there. You can always reach out to me there. And uh, obviously, all my work is on CBSSports.com. So if you go to CBSSports.com, go to the fantasy section, you'll find it that way. Same thing. You can go into any search engine you want. Type in my name with fantasy football. You'll probably get a list of everything that I've written in the last two months. So we didn't actually, I forgot to ask this. Uh, You said that you don't want to focus on the dudes with the thunder thighs anymore, or at least not make that your only focal point when you're drafting a running back. Right. (laughs) What would be maybe something that over the years that you changed your mind on besides this, that kind of really helped propel you in the future. And then maybe you can, that can dispel some wisdom to the listeners. So I, I think one of the things that you need to look for when it comes to tight ends or guys that just play much more in the passing game and, George Kittle is a rare example of a tight end that does a lot in the blocking game and still puts up numbers for fantasy. But Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, eventually, fingers crossed, Kyle Pitts, these are guys that are more wide receivers than traditional tight ends. Yeah, they can block, but they're not asked to do it as much. That's what you're looking for from a tight end. And it seems simple enough, but some people just don't, it doesn't click with them. They just see a tight end on a team that's supposed to be good and they gravitate and they go, all right, I got to go and, and, and get this guy. And, and sometimes it doesn't work out because they don't get the opportunities. Um, but if they're a pure type of wide receiver, like an Evan Ingram, we all kind of overlooked Evan Ingram this past year. Turns out he was an excellent fit for what Jacksonville wanted to do. He had a monster season. Uh, David Njoku is a guy that we were excited about when he was a rookie. 
And then he ended up not producing much. And then this year, they kind of ran out of guys that could be big-time targets in in Cleveland. And, and they started a quarterback for 12 games who leaned on his tight end. It turned out that David Njoku was great for fantasy. And hopefully we can build toward that. So that's one of the things that I learned. That was something I learned a long time ago. Um, another another element that I learned a long time ago is trusting running backs that can help a team in many different ways. The thunder thigh running backs are guys <laughs> that work on first and second down and they score a lot of touchdowns and clearly touchdowns are huge for fantasy. But what about the running backs? They might be a little bit smaller. They might be better at catching the ball. Well, everybody knows what Christian McCaffrey and Austin Eckler have done. And in the past, guys like LaDainian Tomlinson, uh, even Darren Sproles is a great example. But any the, the idea is figuring out how a running back can fit into an offense. And just it's just a matter of how many different ways can they get the football. And the more that they can catch a ball, the more likely they'll help your fantasy team because running backs get way more yards per touch through the air than on the ground. Look at any running back's rushing average. It's good if they're above four yards per carry. It's great if they're at five yards per carry. But if a running back average is five yards per catch, that kind of sucks. You want a running back that's got six, seven. In the case of Alvin Kamara, he's had years where he's been in double digits in yards per catch. Anywhere, anywhere, this goes for any player, Arnie, any, anybody, the more that they can do to help their own offense, the more that they'll do to help your fantasy team. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And as we're getting out of here, uh, maybe some last words of, I like to say gridiron knowledge nuggets on my other show. We'll call it fantasy football knowledge nuggets here for the listener of the show that maybe not expecting to be Dave Richard on the CBS fantasy football of the day, but someone that wants to kind of break a little bit into the industry on their own realm. What kind of advice from two decades would you give them? Get ready to work hard and get ready to differentiate yourself and get ready to do it for a long time. But if you can do those things, you will get noticed and you will become exactly what you want to be in the fantasy football space, but you got to be different. You can't do the same stuff that anybody else is doing. You've got to come up with a new stat or a new angle, a new way to look at things. And you've got to be out there and you have to interact. It's the one thing, you know, we talk about fantasy commandments for fantasy managers. As an analyst, my number one commandment is being available and having a, having ways for people to interact with me. And I, I, I'd like to think that we built our base up one person at a time because I, I, I've been answering emails since 2001, man. Like, I, I don't shy away from it, whether it's criticism, compliment, people asking questions about their fantasy team. Arnie, I want to be there for them. I want to be that guy that they know. I can send a tweet to him. I can send an email to him, and he will get back to me. Uh, during the season, it's really tough. I don't get back to everybody. But during the offseason, yeah, get back to almost anybody who drops a line. There you go. Get ready to work hard and differentiate yourself. Something that Dave Richard has done his entire career. A very long and successful career, I might add. That doesn't just go for trying to get into the fantasy football space. That also goes for trying to win your fantasy football league. I mean, we all know we just can't take last year's end-of-season rankings and transfer them over to this year. We can't assume that running backs are always going to be taken in the first round and we're going to have success. Or there might be anything else that we hold on to from the previous year or decade in this game that is ever-changing, and we have to always be able to look for what next year's diamond in the rough or great idea is going to be. And speaking of great ideas, looking at it from a different point of view is probably always a good idea. 
And that's what next week's guest is going to do for us. Next week, we're going to bring on Professor John Bush of the site Science Fantasy Football to be able to take more of a, we'll call it, scientific approach to fantasy football, perhaps giving you a different lens to look through when you're strategizing your draft and maybe your overall fantasy football philosophy. And to make sure that you're notified as soon as that episode is released, you know what I got to do. You got to mash that little subscribe or follow button on your podcast player choice. That way you get the freshest, hottest of the press episodes we'll each and every week. And to learn more about this particular show, you can head to fantasyfootballoriginstories.com. While you're over there, maybe you can go ahead and leave your favorite fantasy football moment of all time, or maybe your origin story into the space. And perhaps we'll play it on the show. But for now, dude, I'm through if you're through. Thank you for listening to this episode of Fantasy Football Origin Stories. To make sure you're the first to get the next episode, please make sure to mash that little subscribe or follow button on your podcast player of choice, then head over to the website for the show notes and more fantasy football origin stories. That's at fantasyfootballoriginstories.com. And remember, dudes, where we're going, we don't need roads. Crazy.